And good morning. It's Saturday morning at 9.05, and it's time once again for Common Sense on WEZS 103.3, and WEZS.com. Your phone call's welcome at 524-6288. Besides uh, Mark Bear and myself, I'm Paul Hofgarten. We have today for guests Karen Testament and Stephen P. Curtis, and we're going to be talking about... Uh, I won't say it. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about nuclear energy. All right. Good morning. Uh, first, welcome, Karen. Uh, Karen is uh, uh, with us today from uh, uh, Franklin. lovely downtown Franklin. Yep. Um, she's a radio personality. She's run for governor. She's a, a local celebrity, if we dare say that city councilor too wow yeah so um all the local power is here this morning (laughs) stephen curtis um he's he's come to us today from uh, nevada um he had a 15-year career with uh, doe nevada um he was uh uh, employed at whole body radiation counter at uh, the environmental protection agency campus at unlv um, he has uh, bachelor's and master's degrees from uh, uh, UNLV. Uh, he has uh, also been uh, associated with NEST, which is the Nuclear Energy Support Team, uh, radio, Radiological Consequence Management Teams, Federal Radiological Management and Assessment. Um, he, he's been uh, uh, with the military uh, in both armor and strategic communications. Uh, he's, uh, also been with the Department of, uh, Energy. Uh, he worked in development and integration, uh, with the Desert Research Institute. Uh, he's been a proposal manager, uh, to secure the FAA designation as FAA National UAS test site. And he currently works as a subject matter expert and senior consultant to Ready- Readiness Resource Group. So, uh, welcome, uh, Stephen. Thank you, Mark. Uh, so, why aren't we going all out to produce uh, abundant amounts of uh, nuclear energy? It's clean. Uh, it's a safe form of energy. Has zero carbon footprint. Why? There's a number of reasons people think they don't like nuclear energy, and that's been a bunch of inf- misinformation that has been put out, in my opinion, for a, a number of decades. Since since 1978, I think, if we're going to pinpoint since it. Since 1979, there was a, uh, uh, a little incident at Three Mile Island that was blown all out of proportion, which, in fact, is, uh, uh, if you think about it, nobody got hurt. That's the idea of the safety programs. The worst possible accident happened and nobody got hurt. So well, that, uh, but you know where people got their information? I remember the Saturday Night Live episode right after that where they had a 50-foot-tall Jimmy Carter character. That's where people get their information. I, I, I got to ask you one quick question here. Is the concrete in Las Vegas radioactive? Have you heard that one before? <laughs> Everything's radioactive. You know what I mean beyond background levels. <laughs> Most of the concrete in Las Vegas came from Hoover Dam concrete, which is kind of ah, the hardest concrete okay. ever. But there, there is no radiological damage to Las Vegas. See, people can happily go down there and enjoy the strip <laughs> and, and have fun and not worry about that. <laughs> Hear that? Everybody, we're going to Las Vegas this weekend. 
So, but uh, the idea of the, what also happened is they had that China Syndrome movie come out. Yes, that's right. And then they they the fossil fuel energy companies used that as a lever to kind of push nuclear off to the side. But the the truth is that nuclear uh, power generation has the best industrial safety record of any other power generation source, including wind and solar. So the the evidence is there that it's very, very well protected and very, very safe, and yet it's the most overregulated uh, system of power, which, as you know, anytime you overregulate something, you overprice it. So they have to pay attention to things they shouldn't really have to pay attention to because they're already taking care of safety. People worry about uh, the spent fuel, and we're going to talk a little bit today about how you can use the spent fuel to actually make power. There's about 100 times more energy left in this fuel when it comes out of the reactor that can be used to make energy. And essentially right now we're sitting on 250 years worth of energy at the current rate of the entire United States, already in a repository, already a domestic supply, ready to go. Um, people really are surprised when they hear that, but that's possible with a technology called fast reactor technology. Hmm. So we're going to try to alleviate that problem by actually finally having a plan to dispose of the spent nuclear fuel. I call it slightly used nuclear fuel because that's exactly what it is. There is a another aspect of competition that comes from wind and solar, but wind and solar is, you know it's overly subsidized because they bid into the market at $0. Now, any company that can make a profit by selling something to you for $0 is a little bit suspicious. And I think that kind of transcends the real free market enterprise that we're trying to do. So even Rockefeller came in and sold gas for a dollar a gallon. Everybody could sell it for 10 cents a gallon, ran them all out of business. Then he ran the price up to 30 cents a gallon when he had the monopoly. That's what caused all the antitrust rules, and that's where it's going with wind and solar. <laughs> and, and then Standard of New Jersey and Standard of New York get recombined. Go figure. Well, then they finally decentralized all that when the <laughs> trust laws went in. The other, and they went back to try to pile it up in a, in a, in a stack. But uh, uh, that was what happened to AT&T as well. They yep. decentralized all that stuff and, 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 and made businesses compete with each other for your phone service, which really lowered the cost of phone. And then cell phones came in. And now we can have all the long – remember when you were a kid, you got sent to your room for a week if you made a long-distance <laughs> phone call. Oh, yeah. And now – Kids can call grandma anytime they want to, and that's because of competition and free enterprise. Well, it doesn't exist in the, in the electric business today, and, and you consumers are really paying the price. So here's a way you can get back into the competition-free enterprise of 100% clean because it's already been mined. It's already sitting there. So, All right. Let's, let's, we just, let's unpack what you just said okay. in, in five minutes, uh, <laughs> just a little bit. Okay. Um, I want to back the truck up onto to safety because okay. one of the biggest fear factors um, that uh, nuclear power has is the safety factor, and the safety factor is is really over overblown if you stop and look at the statistics. So stop me when when I hit something that you, doesn't sound right to you. Um, so putting safety into context. About 1.4 million people every year in the United States uh, die in traffic accidents. That's uh, about 44,000 people a year. So, But the, that's a lot the, of people. <laughs> and if you take a look at uh, work-related accidents, that's Huge even amount. 
yeah, that's like 2.3 million mm-hmm. people. Um, deaths attributed to air pollution of one sort or another, 4 million. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. In the entire history of nuclear power, the number of deaths attributed to uh, nuclear power, uh, not annually, but total, is about 200. That's a high estimate. There's been none in the United States. <laughs> well, uh, you, in experimental times they have, but not from nuclear power generation for commercial purposes. So, well, that's true. Okay. They they did have a nuclear accident on the Hanford Reservation. Some say that might have been a love triangle, but I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually got to go visit the uh, the the setup where they where the no. accident happened. Um, it was a really interesting site because I was uh, trying to understand how you could get a criticality accident in the first place. Um, it seemed like a, a a tough thing to do. But what they were doing is they were running the fuels from place to place in a slurry and for – for those that may not know, a slurry is uh, a, a liquid. They put the fuel into a liquid, which moderates the, the nuclear uh, Neutron, char- yeah. characteristics. And they got the density of the fuel too high, and it, they had a uh, an instant criticality accident. Well, there were people too close, and they had an explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the side products that came out of the accident was the the reason the guy that was closest to the to the explosion didn't die was um they took um sausage casings and they actually made the first uh uh, dialysis machine and they changed out the guy's blood really i didn't hear that part but that's interesting yeah, uh, th- that was the first dialysis machine was was made out on the Hanford Reservation. First of any anything in liquid form that has a fissile material in it is very difficult to control for criticality. So you'll see there's a lot of configurations <clears throat> that are made really tall and really thin because that's a configuration that can't go critical. So if they handle it in liquid form, they got to be very careful. Uh, how, how they do it and what they do with it. But in a solid form, it's very easily controllable. And so that was an accident that I not many people know about. Um, the people that would bear witness to that were, were did not survive it. And so not much is known. I mean, it was a very experimental uh, reactor in, I think, 61. It was back yeah. in, in, in Idaho. And, and that was the very early days of trying to figure all this stuff out. So... If you talk about commercial energy production, which nuclear power produces 20% of the power used today, in, anywhere, all of the United States power, it's about 20%. A lot of the reactors are on the East Coast, but we have a national grid. So if you think you live in Montana and you don't use nuclear energy, you're wrong. It's, it's all, once it goes on the grid, the grid doesn't know where it came from. So it's all energy. And it's about 55% of the clean energy you have today comes from nuclear to produce electricity. So you got to really be careful when you start shutting down nuclear power plants because people tell you they're afraid of them. Maybe it's better to educate the people 
than to close the nuclear plants. And, and isn't the grid itself a much bigger problem than any of the sources of the energy Absolutely. that put it together? We can I mean, talk about that. You know, is that in Biden's infrastructure bill? I bet it isn't. Well, no, my, my big problem is is that you uh, your accident no, uh, that that closed New York City back those several years ago was because of a tree branch in Ohio, yeah. and everything is connected. There's not any firewalls around major metropolitan cities so that you could interact and maybe keep it from spreading immediately. So that's the big fear of the. Uh, electromagnetic pulse, whether it's coming from uh, a solar event or whether it's coming from a, a malfeasance event, the, there's if it hits, we lose power for a long period of time. And yep. I mean, look what happened in Texas, and they were four and a half minutes away from shutting their electricity That's why I want down, my like, 69 Bel Air back. Right. <laughs> well, 67 would be shut better. Down. But, <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is they were four and a half minutes away from being without power in all of Texas for mm-hmm. uh, several months, which would devastate your population. Well, face it, new, uh, energy is freedom to us. If we have available, affordable, and robust energy, we are uh, a lot more capable of running the quality of life we want so if they want to control you and they then they control your energy then you're stuck and that we talked about the rockefeller thing with oil well the government got all upset about that well here now you have the government itself providing a solar and wind monopoly and i don't care if solar and wind was the best thing since cornbread for energy you don't want a monopoly because now you don't have a choice you buy what they give you and you pay the price they say and with energy that would be devastating if we can lower the lower the the kilowatt hour charge, even two cents a kilowatt hour, the economy just blooms yep. because now they're not spending it on energy. They're spending it on, on dinners and, and stuff and things that create jobs. So you, you really need to look at the energy more than just I flip my light switch on and it comes on. You need to look at a really economic driver and a quality of life definition. So that's why what we're talking about here becomes really important. The... The buzzword now seems to be carbon footprint, and carbon footprint doesn't exist with nuclear power. Essentially, there's there's very little to none. So, if the goal is to save humanity, and we're gonna, we're all trembling at the thought of, uh, you know, the end of the world coming in whatever the number of years is uh, de jour, um, and if um, we're all about saving humanity. Um, why does it make sense to have fear be blocking us from uh, an economically uh, viable, uh, very accessible um, source of, of electricity? Why are we? Why are we doing this? It's up to you people out there. You, you, you're the ones that are afraid of something that really you don't need to be afraid of. So a lot of that's education. And so you got to think to yourself, if I'm being, if fear is being spread to me, what's the reason that fear is being spread to me? And so you, that's, that's more of a political uh, question than it is a technical question. But you need to really understand how this works. Part of what I want to do is bring education to the public so they can make their own decisions. You shouldn't listen to me or Karen or... Paul or Mark or anybody, you should go out and find your own. No, no, you should listen to Paul. (laughs) (laughs) And you do need to listen to common sense. Common sense 
<laughs> but find your own truth because uh, you have experts in all kinds of stuff that tell you things. So what we're seeing in a lot of these issues we have today, you have an expert that's equally qualified on one side and an expert that's equally qualified on the other side telling you opposite things. To me, that says I may be better find out what's really going on, not just listen to one side of the expert because somebody tells me to. So uh, carbon sequestration, yeah, we maybe want to do that, but a lot more people die immediately, like you said, from pollution. So maybe we pollution's the bigger problem we need to worry about early on. And guess what? If we solve the pollution problem, we're also solving the carbon problem. But now we're worried about carbon going from 400 parts per million to 450. If it goes under 200, all the plants die, and we lose our capability to live. So look at all the aspects of it. Do Don't we really, really wanna... talk about that part of the okay. equation. Do so, so no, yeah. And, and, and the fact that we're all made of carbon. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do you get rid of carbon at all mm-hmm. yep. on, the, on the planet because it's it's vital to all yep. life. But a lot of people worry about pollution, and, and they should. And pollution's bad. Like we could tolerate a lot of it and still be okay, but we don't want to push that envelope any farther than we have. So if you want to think about as non-polluting, you get a lot more people that uh, understand the, the issue and want to want to cooperate with it. But you got to balance that with affordable energy, and you got to balance that with all other aspects of life that we deal with. And... Um, my mantra is, and it always will be, is free enterprise and a free market will drive the lowest and best consumer price, but it won't always drive the millionaire's best deal, okay? Right. So, but you as consumers pay the money, and you as consumers ought to make, uh, ought to make the determination. But you've got to be a little more sophisticated than you are today and really look at those aspects of it. That, that's so true. That's true on a whole host of things. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. There are ways to modify pricing without compromising on the quality of what you're getting. Jody Sleever of American Cottage Handmade Rugs and Custom Home Furnishings and Decor. If a customer comes in and they love something, but I know that they're, you know, they tell me that, you know, we've already budgeted for this and this and this, we love that. I can modify a design. It'll still be just as beautiful, but I can modify sometimes content that you would know the difference. And there are ways to modify pricing without compromising on our pricing or the quality of what you're getting. For stunning handmade rugs and custom home furnishings and gifts, visit American Cottage. Open Monday through Saturday from 10 to 5. They encourage masks to keep the economy moving forward. And renovations are also moving forward as they expand their showroom. In-house consulting is always available. So visit American Cottage just off Route 11 in Guilford on 9 Guilford East Drive. Or call for an appointment. 877-263-7268. 877-263-7268 for American Cottage. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. Eight hundred six six four two six one two. 
And we're back on Common Sense, WEZS 103.3 and 1350, WEZS.com. And our guests today are Karen Testerman and Stephen Curtis, and we're talking about nuclear energy and uh, specifically about uh, recycling uh, spent uh, energy. Yes. So the, to kind of carry on where we were going on before, we want the best market we can get. And to my mind, the government's job is to create as a level of a playing field so competition can happen. They want to have some safety envelopes. But if you favor one market over the other, you're going to really uh, be sorry in the end because you're going to be then beholden to one uh, robber baron instead of competition driving the train. And that's what we want to get to in the next. Diversity. Yes. That's the word. Diversity. So you have it. And your communications, you can call long distance and you can compete your long distance with everybody. The next step is now to get your energy uh, supply to be to be competed. And it's not competed right now. And, and, and a lot of people are making a lot of money. And I'm told that New Hampshire has one of the highest you know, rates for energy. New England does, yeah. yeah. Let's, England let's does, kind of go there because I think maybe the, the listeners in our local area need to understand why they pay so much for electricity. And it really has uh, a couple of components. And one component is uh, that uh, we have the legislature grossly involved in, in what is allowable in New Hampshire. They have forced the subsidies uh, for wind and solar and biomass for that matter uh, so high that you're paying four times what you need to pay for electricity if you look at what other sources are available. So that's one, one source of high rates in New Hampshire. The second source is uh, costs that were dumped on the rate payers when we shut down the nuclear plant um, and uh, there was no way to recover the costs. So everybody looked around and said, who's going who's gonna to eat the loss? Well, guess what? Uh, there are uh, 1.3 million of us out here and we have – we should have more voice, but we actually got less voice in that decision. So um, we have a very high stake in determining uh, what kind of energy is available moving forward for New Hampshire. And we're at a kind of a critical point because New Hampshire uses almost 100% of what is generated in New Hampshire. And we are shutting down all of the fossil fuel plants in the state. And the next thing to come come along is silting in the uh, hydro plants and nobody's really talking about that in new hampshire but it's coming we have hydro plants all over the state um used to be they powered the uh, uh the textile mills that's where a, a lot of the damming uh actually occurred um but they're taking out a lot of the uh uh the dams now saving the fish doing doing what all else um, structural integrity is is playing becoming... Californians. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's in our best interest as uh, ratepayers, as voters, uh, to be involved and to be knowledgeable about um, what is uh, available to us for sources of electricity. 
So let's go back to, to nuclear waste just a little bit. Okay. Um, all of the nuclear waste that uh, was ever generated in the United States uh, will essentially fit in uh, uh, a football field stacked 70 feet high. A little less, but yeah. And that's when we get all of it in there. Right now it's about 24 feet. So it's it's a very small compact. Well, yeah, so I'm not saying that. it has been No, that's not that how way. it's that's not that's, how it's that's not what we do, that's but just if, we, you know, if we consolidated it to one place. If you, that's, that's how volume. big a pile. It's a, it's a very small volume. Right. Let's say, let's say it. Very easily managed. I want to say one thing about a point you, you said before sure. about how the consumers uh, pay the price for uh, anything that happens. Consumers always get stuck with the price. No matter what it seems to you, the, the, the word you should shudder at is free because it never is free. It's just maybe coming to you in a different form. But you consumers will always foot the bill for any government, any subsidy, anything else that happens. It's just you may not see it in your power bill, but it's coming in another form. So that's an important thing to remember that no matter what they say, if they raise the corporate tax, consumers pay. If they lower the court, that's the first thing I was thinking when you said whatever that. They, whatever they raise, yep. it doesn't matter. They're not going to ever tax You're either rich not going to have a job you know. or you're and. You're going to pay more for anything that's made by the people whose tax rates go up. Well, the which, truth is, which, rich people write tax law. So, right, yeah. which is yeah. which is why you want to go to the free market. So mm-hmm. that if it if it's worth anything, yeah. it'll survive. Otherwise, and, and it's the consumer that's making that decision about whether it's successful or not. And and right now, going to the government for literally everything, including. We're we're watching what happens with all of this free money that supposedly they're printing like crazy and giving to us and making us dependent upon the government. Oh, we could do a whole show want, on the I gold know. standard. So we <laughs> want to necessarily go down that route, but it it, it is an argument to for um, getting the in, the individual investor involved in this and not relying on the government to try and and make anything happen here. You know what you can't get from the government? Freedom. That's right. That's right. And we need to. So back to to one of the points that Steve made. Wouldn't it be great if we had the uh, decentralization that occurs, and we could now pay one flat rate for all the electricity we wanted to use, just like we pay one flat rate for our cell phone? Well, the when we talk about uh, letting the free market set the rates and and make the choices about. Uh, what the source should be in any given area, we're really talking about democratizing uh, our energy choices. And people right now are all getting all wrapped around the flagpole about uh, uh, Marxist economics. They, everybody likes the, the, the politics that goes along with giving up your freedom so that we can all be the same. Well, we're not homogenous. And and uh, the dollars matter. It's a it's a great way to make a a decision is to sit down and figure out what produces the best outcome for the most people for the lowest cost. What so a concept! Right into, raised right into used nuclear fuel. So again, we don't call it waste. We call it slightly used nuclear fuel because there's a hundred times the energy left in it when it leaves the reactor, and that's because of the way we did nuclear power in the first place. Originally, the concept for commercial nuclear power was a concept called fast reactors. That means the neutron is fast 
I don't want to go into physics lessons with you, but <laughs> it, it, a fast neutron can you, fission things a different way than a slow neutron does. And so what we have with light water reactors, it slows the neutron down, so it preferentially takes energy from an isotope called U-235. That's not important. But what happens is when you use up the U-235, then your fuel is done. And there's a whole bunch more uranium in there that has energy in it that's not being produced as energy. And now you consider it waste, okay? And it's important to say that that's only 3% of the overall waste. Is the U-238 the waste? Yes, well, it's 97% of it. There's a 1% of this plutonium, which actually you can use for a reactor. And most of the rest of it is, is, well, 3% is fission products. 1% is something called minor actinides, okay, which is higher levels of heavier than uranium atoms that are formed in there, which they worry about because they have a long half-life, and longer half-life means it's less radioactive, but we can talk about that later if we want. But the idea with fast reactor technology is you can fission all the rest of those in a, in a, in a configuration. I'm sure you all heard of breeder reactors, and we all got afraid of those because they'd breed plutonium that you'd want to worry about making a bomb out of, which commercial reactor plutonium is not nearly ideal for making a bomb you can make one but nobody <laughs> will try because it, 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 it look it's, at north it's korea not iran. when you say breeder reactors i think of iran <laughs> iran is starting from scratch to make their plutonium north korea started from scratch to make their plutonium they didn't go after spent fuel to go make their plutonium because it's just not practical so uh, they we let them do that right under our nose. That's a story for another day. But 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 the spent fuel now we have sitting there a domestic supply. It kind of kind of graded me when I heard Trump talking about we need to develop a domestic supply. You're right. We have a domestic supply. Yeah. So it's all in the United States, all sitting there. Two hundred fifty years worth of energy. We just have to start using it now. My idea for that is you have some in New Hampshire. Okay, and it's. Plenty safe where it is. The way we do is you, and many people don't realize this, but new fuel going into reaction stand right next to it's not it's not dangerously radioactive at all, and and that's how they do. They load it directly. But when it comes out, the fission products are very very radioactive and with reasonably short half lives, so there there's a lot of radiation coming out, which causes a lot of heat. So they move it out of the reactor and into water ponds. You've probably seen the water ponds with. 25 feet of water will shield all of the radiation, and they circulate the water around and take the heat away. After about five to seven years, depending on how long you left it in the reactor, they'll pull it out of there and put it in something called dry cast storage, which is a big, huge concrete container that has uh, uh, reinforced concrete, but now air convection can cool it, and that's where it sits. That's where it's sitting today. Now, the problem with the utility companies is when you start – um, the technology of, of, of fission and fission reactors, the easiest part of the whole thing is what they call the back end, the waste. That's the easiest problem to solve technically. So nobody really talked about it. They were all talking about how to make the reactors work and everything because certainly we're going to reprocess spent fuel and that's going to be easy, okay, because none of the physicists are worried about that because it's, it's just the simplest part. But that's the part they chose to, 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 to put a roadblock on it. And that was, in my mind, disingenuous. I, and Carter should have known better. Okay, because he's a nuclear well, engineer. Yeah, but, actually, anyway, so, that, that's a really he's okay. worried so, about the hostages, I but, think. But uh, he's driven by other factors, and he's got a, a lot of other things to think about, and so I give him the benefit of the doubt, I guess. But um, they were going to do chemical reprocessing like France does, which makes new fuel 
that goes back into a light water reactor. And you can really only do that recycling once, maybe twice, okay? And then you still have to sequester the stuff and put it into a, which France does very well. They've, they've, they've got no issue with their spent fuel right now. But a fast reactor can make it, turns it all into the fission products we talked about. Right. Because so they're really radioactive, right? The, but they have, uh, after 300 years, they're back down to the levels of uranium. We talked about the tritium decay half-life. Yeah. But it takes about 300 years to get all the way down to background. But after about 50 to 100 years, they're very, very manageable radioactives. It's, it's, it goes down very fast. It's a, it's a decaying exponential, which means it goes down fast and then slows down later. So a lot of the radiation goes away very quickly. So you're not facing a really technical, hard program to solve. In, in fact... Oh, so decay is not linear? Not, not unless you use a log scale. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's not linear. Okay, you're absolutely you know, right. You know what? I'm going I'm to uh, have to cut in here. Okay. And we're going to take another break. We'll be right back uh, with more talk about uh, nuclear energy and the waste products. Listen up. Are you tired of getting bad money advice from some dube writing blogs in his mother's basement? Well, our Baby Steps plan actually works, and it's helped millions get out of debt, save for retirement, and build wealth. No matter where you are in your journey, you can win with money. The Ramsey Personalities and I will show you how right here on The Ramsey Show. Dave Ramsey, weekdays 9 to noon on News Talk 103.3. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. We're not a traditional store. We have quality U.S.-made product, wood product, upholstered product, antler product. Jody Sleeper from American Cottage in Guilford, which specializes in beautiful handmade rugs and custom home furnishings and decor. We all sort of like going back to our days that we loved, going to the water, being out in the woods. We sort of have graduated back to that as 40s, 50s-somethings. But the next generation coming through buying their first real furniture in their 30s loves some of the contemporary pieces that now I'm bringing in in quarter sawn oak with natural finish and maple and those kinds of woods. For stunning handmade rugs and custom home furnishings and gifts, visit American Cottage. Open Monday through Saturday from 10 to 5. They encourage masks to keep the economy moving forward and renovations are also moving forward as they expand their showroom. In-house consulting is always available, so visit American Cottage just off Route 11 in Guilford on 9 Guilford East Drive or call for an appointment 877-263-7268-877-263-7268. We're back on Common Sense on WEZS 103.3-1350 and WEZS.com, and we will continue our conversation. Well, let me get this in quick before we get on sure. another track, which this is fascinating to me. But the idea with used nuclear fuel now is there is no solution. The bottom line is the government has no solution. They're going to put in a mountain in Nevada, which I spent yucca, lots yucca, of yucca. time dealing with on other levels, and Nevada was obtuse about it, uncharacteristically and unnecessarily, but they were. And no matter how much the government leaned on them, no how much money they spent there promised, Nevada wasn't given in. And they were able to delay this now for 40 years. 
So the mountain's sitting there wide open. They spent $12 billion on a smoking hole there. They got a lot of information, so the government's good at writing reports, so there's lots of reports written, but no solution. No solution even now. No solution even talked about. They had this Blue Ribbon Commission in 2012 where they said, well, we should find a state that gives consent. Okay, that's a great solution. So now, how many states give consent? Zero. None. Okay, so <laughs> so great, great job. Now you've got the solution. Okay, implementation may be the key, right? So I'm thinking that if a state would give consent, it would, it would really change the way we think about not only just nuclear energy, but all energy, okay? Because now you've solved this problem, but the state can say, we will consent if, okay? So my idea is that you de- devise a, what we call a national laboratory. DOE has national laboratories. That's how they do business. All the money DOE appropriates frontage goes to national laboratories. They're all basic research laboratories, so their product is reports. And the joke is in the American Nuclear Society, they we're creating paper reactors, and we are. So <laughs> lots and lots of discoveries made. None of them have out made it to the to the well, not none of them, but very not enough to make a difference. Have made it out of the labs into something we could use for, you know, kicking China's ass in economics. I thought that's why we had Oak Ridge. So well, Oak Ridge does basic research. <laughs> but we have we have uh, a group in Manchester who is, has been tapped recently, well, within the last five years, uh, to bring uh, cutting-edge uh, technology with respect to chronic illnesses to translate the uh, cutting-edge research into usable products. Uh, that's one of the things that's going on in Manchester that's, that's led to uh, some economic uh, good times for the city, um, given that that the nuclear industry um, and it has components nationwide uh, has been around for at least seventy five years now, mm-hmm. um, seems like we would be having uh, some more uh, commercially viable uh, alternative uses of the technologies. For example, uh, I know that there is there was a, a project, and you probably know many more projects than I, uh, that was uh, designed with uh, looking at the structural materials that they use uh, in making uh, nuclear reactors. Uh, they had a uh, mm-hmm. it was called the f- the fast flux test facility, and what they did was they tried to age metals to see at high temperature to see what their structural components would do. Now it seems like we use an awful lot of metals in everyday life. There should be some applications, whether they are directly applicable to nuclear power or not, that would be making their way back to us. I mean, similar to uh, NASA, when when they, they in the '60s we went to the moon and uh, we got all kinds of things from it, whether it was Tang or whatever, whatever the whatever the products were. And NASA's better at it, okay, clearly, because they've able to transfer some of this capability out to the market. But DOE's not. DOE has all these. Uh, very good intentions, okay? 
But when they get money, they give it to the national labs, and national labs do basic research, and that's where it stops. They do try very hard to get tech transfer going, but the national labs don't want to do that. They want to do basic research because they're PhD scientists, and that's what we do. Okay? So the concept is if the governor of a state, maybe New Hampshire, would say we will accept all the used nuclear fuel that would completely change the attitude of nuclear power in in, in all the hollowed halls of our, of, of our Congress would rattle their chains to the max because nobody, nobody is even talking about it. In return for, we get this tech transfer optimized, business optimized national lab that Dewey runs a national lab that actually, no kidding, his only job is to shop all the discoveries of their other national labs and expedite it out to the industry. That's their only job. No basic research. They're just making all the stuff work we've done for 50 years, try to maybe useful to energy. And you take some of these new businesses who are startup business, have no capital, no lobbying, no capability of that all, and offer them space in an industrial park that sits right outside of this. Now you have this conversation going between these two, and you can actually optimize some of these discoveries, and you get to the point where now these industries say, we really need to know about these things. All those things you're researching, we don't need to know about. These are the things we need to know about, and they can actually get a budget in this optimized lab and say, okay, stop thinking about that other stuff, start thinking about these things, and let us know so we can let industry know, and we can really get an advantage. Now, that doesn't happen anywhere in the United States in any meaningful way before all you guys call in from the national labs, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, they know, and, and I think they kind of know that. They don't like to do it anyway, so you, they would, I don't think they get a, a pushback from this because uh, uh, that's what they do. They have a lot of political power, and they, it, uh, another national lab, well, that'll take money from us. And so you, you ca- couch this so that, but then the answer to that is, well, you're not taking the spent fuel. Okay, so, so now the government does this. He uh, optimizes, uh, I want fast reactor technology to burn this stuff, and we want a prototype. So use, there's a $45 billion fund in Congress collected from ratepayers only to be used for spent fuel. Okay, so there it sits gaining interest in T-bills. Every year more builds up, and it's sitting there like the lockbox. Okay? And, so, and the source is, like is, the uh, is, so, is a user fee instead of a tax. It's not a tax. It's a user fee collected for ratepayers for this purpose. That's where the source of the law is not being collected now because the utilities finally sued them and said, well, if you're not going to do this, give us all our money back. Give us all your interest back. We'll take care of it. And they said, okay, well, you don't have to pay the fee anymore, but you're not getting the money back. So there it sits. And in, in this, uh, uh, f- f- that they have over, now still no, still no solution. Their idea now is to put two interim storage spaces in New Mexico and Texas, both of which states have said, absolutely, no, you're not putting them here. And yet they're still going to go forward and design them with the idea that, that Texas and New Mexico are less strong than Nevada and maybe they can get them in. Why so, would New Mexico have an objection? Alamogordo is there. Don't get me started on that. That's another radio show, <laughs> but they do because of this theory that, oh, it's all bad and we're all going to die. Okay, And so oh, I'm protecting my people in my state and I'm not going to do this. Well, the first governor that decides that they want to be really free enterprise and make this happen because there's really no danger it's really well sequestered you can even transport it if you want to the bottom line of this you know what from a political standpoint to be honest with you you need to find a governor and legislature where the majority of the legislature and the governor will not seek re-election that's the first state that you're going to be able to go well i'm open to any state (laughs) but i've been here in new hampshire for three days now i really like what i'm hearing so you guys have an opportunity kind of a small state 
kind of can make decisions a lot quicker on a, on a national level for the betterment of your people. And so you really do have a, a way to, if you do it in Texas or Florida, they got, I don't know, 37 representatives, they got all get on yep. board, and that's hard, okay? So a smaller state would be a much better place to do this. But you're going to have to have the resolve. The governor's going to have to say, okay, I don't care what other institutes you have in this state. If the governor goes to the, to the president and says, we're not doing it here, they know after 40 hard years of experience in Nevada that, that they're not going to crack that code. They're not going to get a national extendency or anything else that they try to do. They're going to be able to stop it in courts and delay it forever. So unless you get a governor that has the resolve, now how do they have the resolve? Leverages $45 billion for good stuff mm-hmm. for New Hampshire, but it has to be oriented around using, using the used nuclear fuel. Okay, so... Uh, thorium reactors are great. Other fast reactors, light water reactors that are SMRs are all great and everything, but they're not going to be able to leverage that fund. So there's, there's several technologies you can use to burn that used nuclear fuel, and there's companies already capitalized with private money with designs that can do that. They're not going to crack this ceiling until the general idea of nuclear power is okay is going to happen. Yeah. A governor could do that. One governor in one small state can change the whole world by doing this. Okay. okay. All right. So, We're going to take our final break, and we'll be right back to finish up our discussion. There are ways to modify pricing without compromising on the quality of what you're getting. Jody Sleeper of American Cottage Handmade Rugs and Custom Home Furnishings and Decor. If a customer comes in and they love something, but I know that they're, you know, they tell me that, you know, we've already budgeted for this and this and this, we love that. I can modify a design. It'll still be just as beautiful, but I can modify sometimes content that you would know the difference. And there are ways to modify pricing without compromising on our pricing or the quality of what you're getting. For stunning handmade rugs and custom home furnishings and gifts, visit American Cottage. Open Monday through Saturday from 10 to 5. They encourage masks to keep the economy moving forward. And renovations are also moving forward as they expand their showroom. In-house consulting is always available. So visit American Cottage just off Route 11 in Guilford on 9 Guilford East Drive. Or call for an appointment. 877-263-7268. 877-263-7268 for American Cottage. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Yeah. Okay, we're back on Common Sense, WEZS 103.3, 1350, WEZS.com. I'm Paul Hofgarten with Mark Abair. Today we have Karen Testaman and Stephen Curtis, and we're talking about um, nuclear um, spent nuclear fuel and ways to use it as as energy. And it's been pretty interesting so far. And future I've employment and, and business for New Hampshire. 
So well, when last we left you, <laughs> <laughs> well let's 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 okay. let's take a left turn just a little bit and maybe, as Jen Saki would say, let's circle back. Well, we're um, used to that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that that you talked about was the transfer of uh, research, uh, raw research, uh, to uh, a practical output in the uh, the wider economy. Mm-hmm. Is part of that the problem of the slowness of the transfer? Uh, does it have anything to do with the way DOE handles patents and uh, uh, the uh, IP that goes along with the research? Basically, if DOE produces IP, <clears throat> it's available to anybody who wants to come in and use it. But they don't encourage it. And they don't work with industry to do it. It kind of, like everything else in government, is a lot of paperwork and and maybe too expensive. And so they just give up and do their own. But the biggest expense that companies have to advance things beyond uh, today is basic research. That's something they don't want to invest in. So DOE is uniquely suited to do basic research. But they're not uniquely suited to transfer that all out. Uh, The new energy and NREL, the energy lab up in Colorado, there's 5,000 patents that they've spent U.S. money to produce and, and develop, and nobody's marketed them. They just put them in a list on their website, and you go, oh, if you like this, come and talk to us. And so, uh, But nobody's really making an effort to push these things together. Well, a private enterprise company would be, w- would be stupid not to do that. That would be an, a, a, a facility that would optimize that system to make that happen much, much more uh, efficiently. But this, this is a reason why that's not happening. Uh, People in private enterprise, uh, private business, will make a nickel where they can make a nickel. They, 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 they're not going to walk past the penny on the street. They're going to pick it up and put it in their pocket. Mm-hmm. So if we have research uh, and development that's done and it's available, the question that comes to my mind is why are they walking by that there either has to be a requirement, whether the requirement is that there there is no proprietary information. And, and if you think about most big brands that, that come about, whether it's a, a Microsoft or an Apple or, you know, in the old – in days gone by, it was Kleenex or, or, or Coca-Cola or whoever it is. There's always something that they have that is proprietary about their product. It, it helps them build their business moat mm-hmm. and makes them uh, have a longer lifespan as a company. Mm-hmm. So do we need to take a look at what we're requiring, uh, meaning uh, DOE, uh, what their requirements are to use these uh, uh, basic research Short answer is yes, okay, but how? Okay, they've tried lots of different ways. Now, they do tech transfer, and they do work with companies, but they do it on a a very small level, and companies generally don't like that because it's a lot of overhead. Okay, so they really have to pay a lot of attention to get DOE to work with this. And, again, DOE is a basic research set of national laboratories who they just want to keep doing research. They don't want to transfer out because that means that they're done with that. Now they've got to find something else to do research on. So you've got to optimize that system. So maybe they're thinking of something that's not as important to business, and you want them thinking of something that is more important to business. So do we need a DARPA equivalent at DOE? We do have one. 
It's called uh, IARPA, and they're, they're very, very good at what they do. But that's even more basic research than the labs are doing. That's stuff way out there, okay? And it's like it's called high-risk, high-return. So they may try 100 projects to get one to work. Right. Okay. They are doing that. And they, but, but, again, getting that out to business is, is – is, and they do it better than the labs do. Uh, our, uh, DARPA and ERPA do But DARPA is defense – uh, and they're optimized for making better better defense things. Okay. Right. Now, I'll tell you that the, the military right now is developing small modular reactors for microgrids because they're afraid of their, uh, the, the, the vulnerability of the national grid that they're using all the time. So they are actively developing small modular reactors to the point where they want every one of their bases to be a microgrid. So they power their own stuff from the base with this reactor and they are i mean there's they're down to two designs that they're going to pick one to to actually put in in a, in a base somewhere and make it work so they're way down the road to this and 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 so like the navy did because we have mm-hmm. 100 reactors floating around the world in navy ships that nobody even worries about because they're so safe that they are now trying to bring this to the air force and the army for strategic kinds of uh, strategic and tactical because they want small reactors in the field because everybody dies in the war from the logistics chain. So they want a power source out there that can make water, they can make energy, they can make uh, uh, fuel, and, and even with adaptive manufacturing, they make repair parts. So they cut down on the amount of logistics chain that they need and therefore the amount of deaths they have. So they're very, very interested in this and moving forward. So microgrid means how small or how large? It it's means, not a household reactor. It, no. It would be like for a It'd town? It would be the minimum for maybe 1,000 or 2,000 people. Okay. All right. So, so that's the idea. The bottom line is this is huge business. There's a potential for $10 billion in, in revenue. The energy market in the United States in 2016 was $1 trillion. That's cars heating oil, electricity, anything used in energy, $1 trillion. Now, they throw a trillion dollars now like it's nothing, but that's $3,000 per person in the United States. So to me, that's some significant kind of business case. So you can easily see a $10 billion uh, 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 business case come out of this. Nobody's in competition for this. Okay. No other state. Well, I'm the bad guy. i got to tell us we're just about out of time. I want to thank Stephen Curtis and Karen Testament for coming in today. And you've been listening to Common Sense on WEZS, and we will see you next Saturday.